The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network and TheGorillaPosition.com, telling the stories of pro wrestling storytellers. Welcome to another episode of Turnbuckle Talk, powered by TheGorillaPosition.com and a proud part of the Roar Network, presented by the Hitting the Marks Podcast Network. We're sponsored by CollarAndElbowBrand.com, where you can get 10% off when using promo code JKPODCAST at the checkout. We are in partnership with HypeCityVapors.com, where you can get 15% off all your e-juice for your vape by using promo code JKPODCAST. We can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching at TV Talk Pod. Listen to us on Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcast, Castbox, and all those other podcatchers out there. As always, I'm Carl Carafel, and I'm Big Joe, and welcome back to Turnbuckle Talk. Absolutely, Carl. Another week has come and gone in the world of professional wrestling. And to kick things off, as promised, we were going to follow up on the whole Saudi Arabia situation. I know a fair amount of time has passed now. But we've had some time to kind of digest this whole deal here. Now. Still seeing, uh, believe it or not, kind of conflicting information regarding this whole thing of what really happened. Yes, we are. I mean, some more has come out from other superstars and stuff like that. Um, everything is still really conflicted. Some people yeah. saying, uh, you know, still that they will never go back, that the experience was terrible. Then you've got others who are coming out saying, you know, it was actual just mechanical issues and this stuff happens and, you know, we just kind of have to move forward from it. Um, s- still really no clear cut answer to what actually happened. And I think that it's going to only come out the entire truth when one of the people involved leaves the company and maybe does a whole tell-all of the situation. I think that's probably about the only time that we're going to get a full, real story out of someone. I think you hit the nail right on the head here. And and the real perplexing thing of this this whole situation here i don't know if you saw the the announcement but i think it kind of made its rounds on social media and whatnot and that is that wwe's announced that they're extending this partnership and doing even more shows it sounds like they may even ramp things up this was a real head scratcher for me considering just how supposedly volatile this whole thing was and then supposedly uh, the Saudis not quite paying up and whatnot. So it was, it was really curious that they were like, yeah, uh, we're going to do a whole bunch more for them. I was like, really? Uh, that, that, yeah. That seems, I, that seems odd. <laughs> for those that, that aren't aware, what it's looking like now is that there there is possibly uh, going to be two major yeah. events that are going to be happening over there per year until the year 2027 
is what uh, what I remember being reported as of right now um, with possibility for an extension on top of that as well. So it's very interesting considering reports that we've seen that say, you know, money hasn't been there and that uh, at least for the last um, show, not not this past one, but the one before that they still had not been paid for it. Uh, So, I mean, big things like that coming out and then to see hey, we're going to continue a partnership with it. Almost, almost, I don't know, it's a head-scratcher, but, I mean, it could be that possibly, you know, the Saudi Arabian prince there has decided that, hey, we're going to, you know, throw some more money at you. Um, You know, it could have been a backdoor deal type of situation here. And this is all just speculation, people. This isn't, uh, you know, uh, factual, but this is just in my head that, you know, he threw some more money at them saying, you know what, we're sorry. Uh, please don't let this go public. Uh, we want a good working relationship with you and other companies, whether it's boxing, MMA, or anything else, because I know that they're looking at expanding into that stuff as well, large. Yeah. So I think that that was probably something that had happened. They said, you know what, let's let's work together on something. We want to continue this relationship because it's been good for Saudi Arabia, um, you know, kind of you know, in, in a perspective of bringing more entertainment to that area for them, stuff like that. Right. So, and they don't want to damage that for the allowance of other companies coming in. That's just my head going a little crazy thinking about all of this, but I mean, who knows? What's your take? What do you think is actually happening? I think that it just boils down to the money, and and I'll make reference to something actually that uh, that you had uh, shared with me um, a little while ago. I think it was maybe earlier today, but I think that it all boils down to is WWE needs the money, and they want to bite the hand that's feeding them. So they kind of went, okay, we'll, we'll put up with the BS so we can get the money. That's that's a big possibility as well. Um, <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna go on to that right now then, yeah. Uh, because you you mentioned it and brought it up here. I did share this with uh, with Big Joe. Um, I shared it from my personal Facebook page uh, and just tagged Joe in this. But WWE has actually done something they haven't done in, in a very long time, and they're allowing the superstars to actually spend Christmas with their family. So essentially, what they have is a break from December 21st until December 26th. December 26th, they start back up working again. So they're giving them that the you know like four or five days there for them to be able to go spend time with their family and not have to worry about WWE and not have to worry about photo shoots or meet and greets or shows or anything like that. So they're actually pre-taping their shows. Mm-hmm. Now the show that they had um, in an area where they were going. They, they actually had poised that one to be taped show for their Christmas episode. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, what seems to have happened here is that they were forced to actually cancel yeah, that raw taping due to low sales. <sighs> so they canceled their Sioux City event on December 17th. And uh, that would have been their December 23rd episode of Raw. And they're actually now going to be taping it on December 16th at the Wells Fargo Arena in Des Moines, Indiana. Um, According to a source in the WWE, the Raw taping for December 17th in Sioux City, Iowa, scheduled to air on the 23rd, 
was recently canceled by the company due to low attendance. Um, and this person says that they can confirm that the WWE sold less than 1,000 tickets wow. for that show. Okay. Uh, the Raw scheduled to air on the 23rd is now going to be taped on the 16th um, after the live edition of Raw has aired. Um, the show on the 16th is selling perfectly fine. And that the talent will now have a break from December 21st to the 25th and be back into action on the 26th. So very, very interesting. Um, this is coming from a guy named Brad Shepard um, of Pro Sports Extra. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll put it out there so that everybody, if they want to go and take a look and see who this person is, that's who it is. Uh, this is coming out from Twitter. And apparently he has some sources within in the WWE and, and you know, has uh, people that, that he can talk to there. Unlike us, unfortunately, we don't have that yet. Uh, we're working on those things. But, yeah, very, very interesting that WWE live events are now drawing less than a thousand tickets which brings us back to this whole crown jewel thing now right Hmm. so yeah a a thousand only a thousand tickets sold for for a christmas show i think that's that's almost borderline something to be kind of embarrassed about i mean that, that that's something you think that it's you can make the argument that's almost for that area it would almost be like a Christmas gift for uh, for WWE wrestling fans, and nobody wants to go to it. That, that that's to me that that's very very alarming to see a a live show draw such a low number that that, that is frankly kind of scary. And especially considering that this is the largest conglomerate corporation for mm-hmm. professional wrestling in the world. People in the world, we're talking. And drawing less than a thousand tickets being sold is sometimes worse than an independent event where some independent events are drawing, you know, anywhere from two and a half to five thousand people. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, that's alarming. It definitely is alarming. And this trickles right over in, into the directly into the next topic here, Carl, with this new uh, show backstage. I don't know if you've had a chance to see it. I haven't had a chance to see it. And from the sounds of it, the majority of wrestling fans out there have not even bothered. For this debut episode of this backstage show, we got 49,000 view, views for this. And I think that this going along with what we were just talking about I think that it's it's becoming more and more clear now that wrestling fans want to just see wrestling and they don't want to see all this backstage stuff. I think I think that there's kind of a time and a place for that. Now clearly isn't the time people are discovering the alternatives like AEW, like NWA. You look at those numbers getting close to the to the the million mark, and then we've got this kind of going on. So I, I think that the, the two are obviously connected there that. Fans are starting to catch on and saying, okay, so we see what's really kind of going on here. Look, there's NWA, like I said, AEW, Impact, uh, now that they're on Access TV, they're going, there's actually really good wrestling out there that we don't have to put up with this anymore. Very true. And, I mean, you have to really take a look and break down um, exactly what is kind of on the WWE network and and what the WWE is trying to do. So, I mean, you've got stuff like Watch Along. And this is all stuff that's going to be um, 
current things that are running on the network. So aside from pay-per-views, aside from old WCW, ECW, stuff like that, but still currently on the network, you have playing Watch Along, Untold, Superstar Picks, Marquee Matches, Collection Spotlights, Chronicle, Photoshoot, Music Power 10, 365, WWE 24, Beyond the Ring, um, and it just says Original Specials. So this is different things like this uh, backstage. Uh, Table for Three, Southpaw Regional, which also airs on YouTube. Uh, WWE Breaking News, WWE Ride Along, This Week in, First Look, Storytime, Camp WWE, The Edging Christian Show. Um, Just so many different things that are outside of actual professional wrestling, I guess you could say. Um, With the exception of a few things like... um, uh, where was it here? Uh, this week in WWE, it kind of just goes through the entire week of what happened, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, like, my word, there is so much that is there that's going on. Um, and it, it, it's it's a lot of, like, outside of, of actual wrestling, and it's a lot of, like, backstage stuff that's happening, and it's becoming more clear that people are not wanting to see the backstage stuff and that they're wanting to actually see the professional wrestling. So, yeah. Yeah, like I said, that that, that seems to be pretty clear. I mean, people like us, we like to occasionally see the the behind-the-scenes the stuff because we, we kind of want to know kind of the inside stuff. But to a certain extent, you named off the list there. I mean, wow, like it's just it's it's too much. You know, and then you try and do these storylines and try and make that believable, but yet we see all, you know, we see all, like, say the women, for example, on uh, the uh, WWE Divas, which show I haven't watched in I don't know how long, and you even see some of these people that are currently feuding and whatnot, and they're, you know, maybe at the pool having drinks together or something like that. Just it, it, it ruins the whole thing, and I know people are going to say, oh, kayfabe's been dead a long time, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I get that to a certain extent too, but I mean, where do you draw the line on this behind the scenes stuff? Like like we had just said, fans are clearly catching on and fans just want to see wrestling. You know, we we don't want to have to watch all these hours and hours of stuff. We just want to watch 2 to 3 hours of wrestling a week and and be done with it. And it's very true and don't don't get me wrong, there are different things on there that I actually enjoy seeing. I enjoy sure. the Edge and Christian show. I enjoy story time. Uh Camp WWE is more of like an adult cartoon, which is which is pretty cool. Um I do enjoy seeing that. There's the ride along especially is is something that I've very much so started to enjoy. Not started to, but I've enjoyed it. Um I don't think I even mentioned Table for Three. Uh, as well is another one, right? Yeah. And then seeing some of these like WWE 24 and some of the 365s uh, for superstars that I enjoy, definitely, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and now something else that's coming out that might actually pique your interest, Joe. I don't know if Ooh. you've heard about this or not, but um, one of your favorites, Stone Cold Steve Austin, mm. Is coming back I heard that, yeah. to the WWE Network with a new series called The Broken Skull Sessions. It's going to be a monthly original series premiering. Um, and it's like an interview series that's going to be happening, uh, starting with actually The Undertaker, which I think is going to be a very cool thing. Um, but I'm glad that they're only going with like a monthly original with this and that they're not giving us, you know, every week there's going to be a new one 
once a month is perfectly fine for something like that um, because it's something different. It's something outside of. It's something that that people, you know, when they have the opportunity to, they're going to be like, yeah, this will be really cool. Let me go in and listen to this interview that Stone Cold did with The Undertaker, mm-hmm. right? It's not something that that's, you know, uh, you know going to take away from their actual want to watch professional wrestling. I will say with that particular one, when you listen to the WWE version of the Stone Cold podcast or Broken Skull or whatever they want to call it, and then you listen to when the show is just being done independently on his own channel and his own oh. networking with that, it's very, very different. And I got to say, you know, I'm not a fan of like over the top swearing and, and cursing all the time, but just letting him kind of be Stone Cold is, is, is frankly kind of better. So that this toned down WWE version, who knows, you know, possibly that this seems to be kind of a thing that they're going with these podcasts. Even Corey Graves is doing one. If you have a chance to go listen to that, um, let me save you the trouble. It's basically like a WWE advertisement. It's, you tell he's so corporately brainwashed that it's just, it's, I tried listening to an episode. I made it through about five minutes and I went, yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it, Unfortunately, we talked about this uh, previously on another uh, podcast that we did. We uh, when we first heard that the WWE was going to kind of come into this, and uh, for a little bit, we actually were 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 almost kind of worried, um, thinking that maybe that they were going to you know be taking away from uh, you know smaller independent podcasters like ourselves. But after kind of seeing what they've done and what they're coming out with, I'm not worried at all. <laughs> I think that all. we are perfectly fine. So. It is not all doom and gloom when it comes to WWE, folks, Carl. There is some good stuff in the form of NXT, of course. Uh, so the majority of the time, NXT knocks it out of the park. And recently, you know, with this Crown Jewel stuff going on, they had this crossover, and they've kind of kept it going a little bit. Is this something that, that can kind of help, you know, not only the dwindling viewership on television, but the live stuff as well, if they can kind of go more with this? As as perfect as I believe that this has been, I don't think that it's really going to help the main brand programming at all because the focus is NXT. NXT came in with this invasion on SmackDown. NXT invaded Raw, and they had multiple stars from NXT come in to to do all of this. Now, I, I was able to watch NXT and NXT had it had an invasion from the WWE that happened to just be AJ Styles and and Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. Yeah. Just the three. That was it. There was nothing else to really build up, you know, anything with the other brands. It was all NXT focused. So I think that this was a perfect way for them to get NXT over, and I think that's where the numbers are going to really start to uh, to, to swell. You're going to start to see more viewers tuning in on the USA Network to NXT as opposed to the numbers for Raw and SmackDown continuing to, to, to grow, or not yeah. even continuing. They're pretty stagnant right now. But you're going to see them grow? I, I really don't think so. But are we going to see NXT's numbers grow? I believe so. And this is all part and portion to 
other things and other companies that are out there that are putting out uh, the the same level or not better product. And, and yes, I'm talking all elite wrestling right now. Yes, I'm even talking, uh, you know, the NWA uh, going out there and putting out a weekly program now as well. Um, so all of these different programs that are out there that have that independent type of feel to them in a large scale are now being, you know, competition for their independent style program of NXT and they want to build that to compete with the other two is how it's looking and sounds to me. Yeah. And the whole crossover angle, I mean, it, it just, I don't think you can sustain it for a very long period of time, but just logistically, you know, crisscrossing all over the country and then potentially if for our SmackDown is taking place uh, non-domestically, so maybe to, to kind of put a best, it, it just would be too difficult. And of course, you then you run the risk, especially if the NXT competitors in these matches keep getting over on the main roster talent. People are going to start catching on to that too and going, hmm, you know, this supposed third brand is kind of outdoing our main shows. Okay. So it's kind of a double-edged sword there. It just Logistics-wise, it's too hard to pull off for a long period of time. I think it happened at the right time given the crown jewel circumstance. I'm glad that they capitalized on that. But you can't. it's just not sustainable for a long period of time, and it could cannibalize your main show as well. Yeah, it definitely can, and that's, that's the risk that they run. And I think right now they're actually going about it uh, in a good way. Um, they're not using, uh, you know, NXT and flying them out absolutely everywhere to every show. They're using, you know, certain bigger stars and and bringing them on, and then uh, having them on the on the SmackDown with the uh, huge majority of the big name stars to be there, with then Triple H in the ring, and then talking. This is NXT, and we're going to see this continue through Survivor Series, uh, probably just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's at least going to Survivor Series because we do know that. Uh, Uh, coming up at Survivor Series that we're actually going to have Raw versus SmackDown versus NXT um, in a number of different forms uh, from the tag team titles, uh, the tag team champions all competing in one match from the three brands, the women's champions from all three brands competing in a match, and then a Survivor Series match uh, combining all three brands as well at this point. So we know that it's going at least until Survivor Series. Um, if it goes any further than that, we're just going to have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll definitely be paying attention to that. So for, for our next uh, topic here, this is kind of morphed because when I originally wrote this run, I, I think I kind of lost track of when the show is going to happen. So now that it has happened, I figured we'd just kind of run through uh, AEW full gear. Uh, I had a chance to, to watch this, finish watching it kind of earlier Yesterday or today, I'm losing track of time here. But uh, did you have a chance to check out the show at all? I know you've been very busy lately, but did you get a chance to see any of it? I have been very busy <laughs> lately, and I have yeah. not. Um, I actually okay. have um, acquired a copy of the show, mm-hmm. and I will be watching it hopefully tonight. Um, yeah, I have ways and means of being able to do that tonight. So. Yeah, hopefully I will be able to see it all tonight. But uh, from what I've heard, again, a knock out of the park with the exception of some controversy from, uh, you know, the main event. But I'm sure we'll get to that. So, 
it's been from what I've been seeing in all the circles that we run and, and whatnot, it's been very polarizing. I got to say that it, it hasn't been overwhelmingly positive. It hasn't been overwhelmingly negative. I've been seeing a lot of both. And, and I actually put a post uh, up on uh, social media regarding this. And what I found very, very interesting with this show was that a lot of people criticizing and, and hating on the show are people who are praising WWE for the mediocre stuff that they're putting on. It's very, very curious. And I'd be very curious also to know that if the same stuff would have happened exactly as it happened, but for WWE, would they be singing the same tune? So it's been very curious to see people's reactions on this whole thing. But we'll kind of get into the matches. I didn't get to watch the pre-show match, but we'll briefly recap what happened here. We had Dr. Britt Baker and Bea Priestley. This should have been on the main card, quite frankly, but they they positioned it that way to try and draw you into the main show. And we had Britt Baker, who, yes, folks, she is a legitimate doctor. People keep asking me about it. I get me- still get messages. Dude, is she really a doctor or is this all a gimmick? No, she's an actual doctor, folks. Yep. And she'd be, be, be a priestly. Well, she's a dentist. She's a dentist. They're, they're doctors. <laughs> um, I think it's safe to say that uh, that uh, good dentists are doctors. Yes. And beating be a priestly via submission. So that was uh, good to see there. Then we kicked off the main card here with Proud and Powerful. I'm not really a fan of that name. For those who are wondering who the hell that is, that's actually LAX from Impact previously, Santana Ortiz versus the Young Bucks, which is, of course, is Nick and Matt Jackson. This was a 21-minute match, and this was pretty damn good, Carl. And surprisingly, and I'm going to give a uh, spoiler alert here right now, but surprisingly, the Young Bucks putting over yeah. Santana or and Ortiz. So uh, P&P going over P-P. the Young Bucks. Yeah, PP going over the Young Bucks here. Um, <laughs> oh. See, they really need to change that name because right. there is yeah. just so much that could be done with yeah. that that, yeah, is just terrible. But proud and powerful uh, getting the win, surprisingly. And we even had the Rock and Roll Express, uh, Robert Gibson and Ricky Morton showing up. And Ricky Morton, all I can say, folks, is uh, he is kind of an anomaly in the wrestling business. He is getting up there in age and he's still going out there and doing stuff that the young guys are doing. <laughs> I mean, when you look at rock and roll express, they really look like the old version of the young bucks yep. and vice versa. When you look at, at, at Nick Jackson, like he looks like, I mean, he started balding obviously at a pretty rare, <laughs> at a pretty young age. So they, they look like mirror images, of each other in the opposite direction. It's, 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 it's kind of unique actually. And I, I could see them having a match in AEW probably at some point, but LA, I'm going to, you know what? I'm, gonna, I'm still going to call them LAX because that's how, how I know them. Those guys are fantastic. Ortiz does this cool thing of where he goes for a pinfall by basically kind of diving and just kind of going straight and just landing on the guy. They have fun in the ring. They're really, they, their work rate is fantastic. I mean, just to, damn, it was a good, it was a good match. Okay. Can we, can we, everybody seems to be overlooking this, um, can we please talk about that Canadian destroyer? Yes, that was fantastic. 
Fantastic. Holy jumping. Rick. If you people have not seen that yet, it's out there on YouTube. Ricky Go Moore, and man. look up AEW yeah. Full Gear Canadian Destroyer. Yeah, That's all you need to look up. It will come up there. Now, now Joe was talking about the Rock and Roll Express and, you know, getting up there in age, but still being able to hang. Um, that's exactly what we saw here. We saw um, it. We saw a Canadian Destroyer. Mm-hmm. Okay, a Canadian Destroyer from the Rock and Roll Express. Like, my word, that was amazing to see. And I'm so happy that they're out there and still being able to do these these spots like that. And it's not even just spots that they're doing. They're actually working with other independent companies and they're actually going out there and putting on full matches. So, I mean, you, you want to talk about not human. I understand PCO <laughs> as well is one of those guys that's just rocking it and just is not human. But you have to throw in the Rock and Roll Express in there as well. Still throwing hands, yep. still putting on good shows, and still able to actually work in the ring for their age. It is amazing to see. Yeah, Ricky Morton is uh, kind of an immortal guy, especially recently in the world of professional wrestling. It's it's a pleasure to still watch him kind of go at it. At some point, he's going to have to probably slow down, but uh, he's going to be uh, dragged out of that ring kicking and screaming. Let's just put it that way. And before we move on, I just want to say again that I am so happy to see that management within the company is not just putting themselves over in every single comp- contest that they're in, but Nick and Matt Jackson taking the fall too proud and powerful Mm -hmm. i am very very happy to see that that's a worry and a concern that i had for a while you know being um you know owners of a company of course you're going to want to put yourself over but it looks as though that that's not the case with these guys and i'm so happy about that for sure Uh, next up we had hangman adam page versus Pac. this was for me this is kind of a tough one I think I'm at the point with this one where there just wasn't a whole... It went almost 20 minutes, 18 minutes and 30 seconds, this match. And I think at some point, they almost kind of had this targeted as their their main championship kind of uh, program going on, and it just didn't kind of work out that way. So it, it, this whole rivalry with these two, just it doesn't feel like that there's really anything on the line. There hasn't really been any kind of psychology going on here. So it was, it was a good match, but it just it felt like it was lacking substance. Yeah, it just didn't didn't really feel organic. Yeah, uh, it just kind of feels almost like it's just kind of a uh, uh, thrown to the wayside type of hey, uh, yeah, you two are good. Go out there and have a have a good match out there and uh, give the people something to look at. Um, not really anything that there's there, there's really no no meat. No, no bite, no substance to it. It's just kind of two guys that are, are phenomenal in the ring because both of them are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, that, that's all it seemed to be is just two good workers going out there, putting on a good match. And it's not just an issue with, with, with this particular match. It's kind of been a little bit of an ongoing thing with AEW with some of these matchups and scenarios that they got going on. Just the, they're, they're not telling the whole story here. I think they're just relying on the in-ring stuff to kind of do it all. And I know this is going to sound a little strange when we when we poke fun and we criticize WWE with their de- overly detailed storylines. Just we want something kind of in the middle. We don't we don't want no story, but we don't want big, long, convoluted things that don't make any sense. There's got to be kind of some middle ground here. And like I said, I think they're just they're relying just on the in ring stuff being kind of the whole thing. 
and you need a little bit more there to get us invested uh, really uh, deep into this. And that's exactly it. I mean, you could take as many people as you want and just kind of throw them into matches. But I mean, at the end of the day, that's all it's going to be is just another match that happened. And nobody's really going to care or look back in the history books and go, yeah, that was that was a great, uh, you know, match or great feud for them to have because there really wasn't any type of feud to it. Um, I mean, and, and even storyline wise, like, I mean, you don't need anything huge over the top. No. You just need a little substance there for a storyline to really get the match over. Yeah, absolutely. Now the next match, they actually did, you know, some business in the go home show and, and there's some good psychology. We had Sean Spears with Tully Blanchard versus Joey Janela. This was about uh, just under 12 minutes for this match. This one was really good. I enjoyed this match. There was some psychology. They made use of the manager with Tully Blanchard, which, of course, if you're going to have him make use of him, absolutely. They 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 told a good story in the ring, and they, they set it up really good before that. And, yeah, it was very well done. It wasn't something that we'll be talking about years from now, but it was a good, solid mid-card match. Some good psychology there, so I enjoyed that. And again, Joey Janela, unfortunately getting the loss on this one, but every time I watch him, I, I'm more and more impressed. Uh, when I first heard of Joey Janela and watched some of his work, I went, oh boy, this guy's going to be like a hardcore guy doing stuff. No, he can actually work very well in that ring, and I, I, like I said, I'm thoroughly impressed every time I see him. Well, that's very good to hear. I've... Uh... I've I've always kind of you know given the nod to Joey Janela, um, not not you know having seen him a lot before, uh, kind of this big fame with uh, with All Elite. So I, I'm happy that uh, that you say that it was good, and I I actually look forward to uh, watching that. So then, next up we had SoCal Uncensored, which in this particular case was Frankie Kazarian Scorpio Sky versus the Lucha Brothers versus Private Party. This is another match on this card, Carl. Good, solid stuff here, but no real psychology or any kind of storyline going into it. And it, when you have multiple people in the ring like this, you run into some issues. It gets a little crowded and gets a little crazy and a little over the top. And, you know, it wasn't a bad match. Just it, it just it's another one of these ones where it just it, it felt like it's just there for the sake of being there with no real substance. You're right. I mean, even even kind of there was a little bit of build up to it. I mean, they did go through and they had, you know, like another matchup to see who was going to be the third uh, team in this and stuff like that. But I mean, again, I come back to why did we need a third team in there? Why why do we need to have that when we can, you know, maybe build, um, you know, a storyline between two other tag teams and we allow, you know, let's say SoCal and Lucha Brothers to kind of fight back and forth for those tag titles a bit. But then on the side, we have another storyline going on with two other tag teams. And then in the end, you know, private party, you know, gets uh, four, four wins more over, you know, this other team, whoever they should be. And then that's where, especially considering AEW is going with this win loss record thing, Mm -hmm. that there is then where you're going to start pulling from your win loss records and going, Hey, you guys have, you know, four more, five more wins than every other tag team on the roster right now. You guys deserve to have this shot at the titles. And then they work in somehow storyline for, you know, private party to start going after uh, SoCal Uncensored or Lucha Brothers, whoever is the champs at the time. I think that's probably the better way to have gone about it. Yeah. 
And as I've said in previous episodes as well, I feel that they're overusing the Lucha Brothers. The way you had worded it was almost kind of like a commodity. I think that they need to start using these guys less. I understand the fans like them and whatnot, but we're seeing them every single show, every single pay-per-view and whatnot. They're overusing these guys. And, and when it's this over-the-top style every time, for somebody like me, I almost kind of get desensitized to it, if that almost kind of makes sense. Because we're yep. just seeing so much of the flippy flying stuff that after a while it's kind of like, I wouldn't say that's boring, but it's like, okay, you know, I've seen this, I've seen this, I've seen this. You know, it's, and they don't really mix up their style at all. Just it's, it gets to be a little too much. You need to use these guys sparingly to keep it believable and to keep people invested. Otherwise, people are going to get sick of it. That's right. So. Very much so. Next up, we had Riho versus Emi Sakura for the AEW Women's Championship. And this is kind of a, an odd matchup here because this really relies on people being aware that Emi Sakura was Riho's trainer. And they didn't do a whole lot to kind of set up that scenario. So I think for a lot of people who are maybe outside of that bubble there, not really knowing what's going on, people have got to be going, what, what did she do to earn a title shot? Very much so, right. you're right there. Um, I mean, it was kind of mentioned a little bit here and there about the whole backstory, but it was never never really put out there in everybody's face. And I think right. that there there should have been some sort of, uh, you know, video package, highlight package, or something like that, maybe uh, going back and, and, and maybe collecting some, some video from, you know, days where they were working in the ring together or days when they were training and stuff like that, because I'm sure that video is out there of all of this happening. Um, being able to get the rights to be able to use a little bit of footage from some other companies that they have worked in and worked with before to kind of give a little bit more to that backstory. Again, it comes back to substance and that that real bite of something that we can we can really grasp onto. And uh, they just I think they dropped the ball with this this one when they really could have done a good video package to solidify the entire matchup and the reasons behind it. Now she did end up uh, retaining that title as well. Now coming up after that, we did have a match with a lot of substance kind of going on here. We had for the AEW world championship, Le champion Chris Jericho versus Cody they did a lot in this match. This went just shy of 30 minutes, and they, they did a lot of business here, a lot of shenanigans going on. Uh, Jake Hager was at ringside for Jericho, and MJF was at ringside for Cody. Very early on in the match, Cody did a dot. They, they, the way they had the, the, the ring and the entrance kind of set up, they had the ramp kind of going right directly to the mat part of the ring, so it wasn't angling all the way down the floor, the, the the ramp went all the way right to directly to the top of the ring. Okay. And Cody did this dive and basically landed on his eyebrow and cut himself really, really bad. I don't know if this was a planned spot to happen, but that was one of the deeper cuts that I've seen in a professional wrestling match. And uh, this, got, this got pretty bloody. And... It was it was a pretty wild back and forth with these guys. Like I said, they went just shy of twenty, just shy of thirty minutes, and the way that this ended, they set up some because the, the stipulation was that if Cody lost, that he would never challenge for the AEW Championship match ever again. This match ended with MJF throwing in the towel for Cody. 
So I think that given that scenario, that this still leaves the door open because technically Cody did not lose in the traditional aspect of where in that scenario it was by technical submission, they're calling it, to where he never actually gave up. So it's a bit of a loophole that I think I can set up him to actually champion to actually challenge for the championship again. So they set that up. And then once everybody else is gone, MJF's in the ring saying, Oh, I'm sorry, sorry, so sorry, so sorry, so sorry. And then Cody is kind of like, Oh, okay, you know, and, and then you you just you see that the foot come up, MJF hitting Cody square in the nuts and turning heel on him. And then walking back up, and uh, there was a, a fan who, uh, who threw a whole cup of beer in his face. So it was a really good heel turn on, on Cody. So that's obviously setting up something there between those two. So they, they, they did a lot of business in this match. They definitely did. Yeah. And this is one of the ones that I've uh, really kind of heard a lot about um, from not seeing the matchup, but, yep. but really hearing about uh, the outcome of things and how things kind of kind of went about. Um I do want to clear something up for people who might be thinking, oh, you know, a fan threw something. They should have been, you know, ejected out of there. They weren't. No. They weren't. You know why? Uh, Because I'm pretty sure that this was a planned thing that happened. This is actually an independent professional wrestler um, who has actually had another dealing with, um, you know, the entire AEW uh, company itself. Um, AEW had run not run a show, but allowed some of the stars to go down to uh, Southern Southern Honor Wrestling, I believe it was. And uh, this independent wrestling star, uh, you know, kind of interjected himself into the, the matchup uh, down there as well. So kind of build up and lead up, but still, again, no context to it all, no. which I'm hoping that, uh, you know, come come this next episode on Wednesday that we might kind of see this, this independent star and maybe we're going to kind of see him going, um, you know, like, yeah, I was in on that. I knew exactly what I was doing and, you know, like um, I'm part of, you know, I'm replacing MJF or something like that, right? Like, me, like bring this into storyline now because it's already out there yeah. that this is an independent professional wrestler that was there and everybody is calling this a planned spot. So, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to uh, to see how they played that off now because everybody now knows. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, like I, I'm happy that this, that this happened with MJF. Uh, we finally have ourselves a one classic heel yep. character in the company. Not a heel faction, not a bunch of heel guys all coming together, but we have just one heel person and mega heel, yeah. we, can, we can say, in the company. And that's very, very optimistic and nice to see. Yeah, he's knocking out of the park when it comes to being a heel. If you... I don't know if you saw Carl, but our, our own uh, Rick Vickery from the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling podcast put out a, a – it was a short video. It was a woman that uh, she went and got an autograph from MJF instead of him writing, you know, to her name, whatever. She, she He just wrote to whore <laughs> and then signed MJF. So, yep. I mean, he's just – he's knocking it out of the park when it comes to, to being an old-fashioned heel. And, and the use of the plant in the crowd like that, that's old-fashioned as well. They used to do it all the time. 
So it, it's good to see this stuff again, and I'm really looking forward because obviously this is leading up to a match with Cody and MJF, and I'm really looking forward to that one. They can really do some interesting stuff there. They definitely can. That that now th- this kind of brings up another point here that I it's not on the run, but I want to kind of talk to you about this since it's kind of already been brought up a little bit here. Yep. Um, AEW claims to be wanting to do revolutionary, new, everything. Everything is all brand new, but we're seeing a lot of old school, classic things that have happened in the professional wrestling business, still occurring, uh, pretty prevalently inside of all elite wrestling um and and uh, the fans are even noticing and the internet marks and the mark tards are even noticing <laughs> and like is is this going to be something that's going to be a little bit of a hindrance do you think or do you think that they can maybe bounce back from this by putting out you know a couple of things that might be uh, original and not so much um stuff that the big conglomerate has done in the past I think that the key to doing these off, to start to doing these properly, is to to take those old school kind of ideas, but to put a modern day spin on it, so that you're not totally alienating uh, the older fans as well. So you take these old ideas and you just you, you put a, a relatively new spin on it. I, I think that instead of trying to reinvent the wheel, you can just kind of make the wheel better. But at the end of the day, it's still the same thing. It can be, and that's the that's the danger of of, of doing some of this stuff. But yeah. uh, you know, uh, AEW they're 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 trying different things. I, I will give them props for that. Not everything's going to work, and they're they're learning as they go. If we were talking still WWE about this, it, it's a lot easier to be critical about them because because they've been around for so much been around for so much longer. Whereas AEW, this this is still very very new people, so. They're, they're still trying new stuff, and it's not all going to be great. And that's just the, the cold, hard reality of it. Yeah, it, definitely it is. I'm hoping that um, that there can be a bounce back or recovery uh, from all of this, that uh, we'll have the fans kind of thinking more about the originality of things that are happening instead of looking at things going, um, yeah, the WWE did that 30 years ago, mm-hmm. um, and you're just – rehashing it again so having said all that now we're getting to probably the most polarizing whole thing from this whole show that has everybody buzzing for a variety of different reasons we're talking about john moxley versus kenny omega in this unsanctioned lights out match this went just shy of 40 minutes here carl yes. and i guess that this all kind of hinges on whether you like hardcore matches or not. Um, the reaction that I'm seeing on the negative aspects are, are typically from people who aren't really into that hardcore style. For myself, I I like the, the hardcore style match, but when it starts to cross over into like CZW territory, you know, when we're doing barbed wire trampolines, when we're doing skewers in the head, which they didn't do in this case, you know, when we're doing plywood slabs with mouse traps on them which they did do in this match when we're using ice picks when we're using glass shards this starts to get a little over the top and i can see why people didn't really enjoy this for me it, it didn't quite cross over into stupid territory but i think a, a good way to 
kind of go about this here. I, I'm going to pull up. A, I, I took a screenshot. This is actually Ray from Pro Wrestling Illustrated here, Carl. And I'm going to take a brief look at this here. And this was right from their the official PWI Twitter. Moxley wins in a needlessly long, needlessly dangerous, and needlessly gross match. This was the worst of AEW. So, right from Pro Wrestling Illustrated, not a fan of this match. For me, I didn't have that much of an issue with it. I, I, I get why some people didn't like it. But, again, this is one of those things where had these same guys done the same match in WWE, would these people still be hating on her or saying that's the best thing ever? So, you see, yeah. I'm kind of coming down right now to um, everybody keeps on saying we need the Attitude Era back, we need Attitude Era back, we need oh. this hardcore stuff back, we need this back, we need that back, and and AEW, sure, did, did they go over the top with it? Definitely, they did. Yeah. Did they go too over the top with it? I think yes. In, in this case, they 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 did, mm-hmm. but this is what people have been asking for. Yep. And now that a company that is not the WWE is giving you what you've been asking for. Now you're crapping on it because yeah, it was too over the top. Um, just as you had said, you know, they're still learning. They're still a small company. They're yep. still trying to go through and figure out exactly what everybody wants. So it's good that these people are putting their, their opinions out there about, Hey, this was too much because now it's giving AEW the opportunity to go. Okay. So we know that that was too much. Let's dial it back a little bit and hopefully be able to, to learn from that and give the people exactly what they're looking for in an attitude era type of, um, you know, hardcore style matchup. Yeah. And, and to, Make a bit of a reference outside of all these companies here. Ring of Honor recently. I don't know if you saw this, and I haven't seen any negative reaction to this, which was, was kind of surprising. They did. They did a match. I can't remember if it was for their weekly show, if it was one of their pay per views or one of their their main shows, and it involved a match. I guess there's some some regular ROH talent versus the commentary team. I saw Rick and Bonnie uh, jumping off and dropping elbows and whatnot. I guess he was actually in a match. And everybody is just perfectly fine with this. I mean, that we went from ROH being this company that had the Young Bucks, had Cody, and, and and they were almost kind of on top of the world. And now we've relegated ourselves to reason the commentary team in matches now, and yes. and, and, and people are, are are not saying anything about this. But yet, John Moxley and Kenny Omega do an unsanctioned hardcore match in AEW, and everybody's losing their minds. So um, I, I know a kind of a weird comparison there, but people are weird about what they're critical about at this point. It, it, it's very strange. <laughs> it it definitely it is, yeah. and there was somebody else that was losing their mind on this matchup as well. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of read through some tweets that were that were put out here. Okay. Um, th- these all are coming from Renee Young. So Renee Young weighing in on the matchup uh, and her husband uh, working in AEW and this unsanctioned match that happened. So the first tweet at uh, 10.55 p.m. on November 9th, 2019. I won't mention the date again, but November 9th, 2019. So 10.55. My husband is handsome. Also a bad MFer. And she actually just put M-F-E-R. So <laughs> that's all it was. MFer. Yep. Um, 1109 WTF 1119 Hi 
Yes. Hello. I hate this. Hmm. At 11.29, seriously, WTF. (laughs) And then finally at 11.48, anyways, I hear Christmas movies are a great palate cleanser. (laughs) And then in brackets, help. Wow. So clearly... Uh, we can see that Renee Young was kind of put off by this entire thing as well. Um, especially, I mean, she she's really been around a lot of like independent professional wrestling and the WWE. Mm-hmm. Um, really not a lot of this hardcore type of stuff like uh, John Moxley has done in CZW before. Um, so clearly even this is something that was a little bit over the top for her, who is somebody who is not just a professional wrestling fan, but somebody who is actually inside of the professional wrestling business and has done a lot with the WWE as well as other independent companies uh, within Canada and the United States. So, yeah, yeah, somebody else who's who's directly in the business going, wow, this is a little much. And notably, of course, it's her husband, so she's going to have a little bit more concern, definitely. But yeah, like this was this from what I I keep hearing, and I'm 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 going to be watching it shortly. Um, hopefully tonight, like I said, I'm going to be able to watch this. But this just seems like it was way over the top and a little too much. Yeah, for sure. I'll definitely be following up with you with you next week once you watch this match to get your direct opinion there. Uh, w- with Renee Young, all I will say is if you were that concerned and that worried in this match. Don't go back and watch the CZW work that your husband has done because you will lose your <laughs> mind. He's done way, way worse than that in, in oh, yeah. for way worse companies and went for way less money. So, yeah, just uh, yeah, don't watch what your husband has done before because you probably won't let him <laughs> wrestle again. Yeah, exactly. So, overall, I gotta say, I enjoyed the show to us to the the most part. The the mid. Stuff there, as I had mentioned, lacking in some psychology and some buildup. But overall, pretty good. And kind of bookend the the beginning and, and the end with some good stuff there. And with, like I said, with the Cody and Jericho stuff, they did some business there with MJF and whatnot. So definitely uh, enjoyed that aspect of it. So definitely. before we do our Showstopper segment for this week, Carl, let's do our Match of the Week segment and I will kick off with my choice here. And this is coming from the show that we were just talking about. And my favorite match of the week was the matchup with, again, to call, still call them LAX versus the Young Bucks. And getting the Rock and Roll Express involved in there as well. That was my favorite match of the week. And I thoroughly enjoyed that. And like I said, LAX, those guys are a pleasure to watch. And the sky's the limit for those guys. And they're still relatively young. So it'll be very much looking forward to see what they do in this company. Definitely as well. I am very much so looking forward to what happens here. Um, all around everything within like the tag team division uh, with all elite wrestling is really thriving and it's very, very cool to see. Um, I'm very happy about that. So mm-hmm. yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, because I haven't actually seen full gear yet. Uh, my pick does not come from there. So firstly, what I want to talk about from this last episode of All Elite Wrestling is the turnbuckle camera that they have going on there. I am a huge fan of that camera. Mm -hmm. Um, 
yeah, if if you didn't see it, it was pretty much right at the beginning of the show. Um, you know, during the uh, the Pac versus uh, Trent uh, match that happened there, and yeah. I'm just I'm a fan of that, and I just want to put it out there that if they continue to use camera angles such as that one, I will be happy definitely. Yeah. But my match of the week actually comes from the main event. So seeing Adam Page and Kenny Omega mm. against Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho. Uh, just four guys who are really comfortable in their elements within the professional wrestling ring, putting on just a really good matchup. Um, I went through and I actually had notes down for every other match that happened on that uh, television broadcast. This one I didn't because I was just so invested in watching this match and I was just so uh, aesthetically pleased with the way that everything happened. So my match of the week, Adam Page and Kenny Omega versus uh, Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho from AEW Dynamite. Nice, yeah, definitely some good stuff. I think that uh, any match involving Chris Jericho and these uh, young and up-and-coming talents, hey, you can't go wrong. You can't go you wrong. You definitely can't. And, I mean, uh, I do, I do want to kind of let everybody know I, I, I kind of had um, – I, w- I was torn. I, I, I honestly was. Um only because I, I I am very much so a fan of this person right now. Um, I, I just I, I just want to talk about Keith Lee for a minute here. Ooh, okay. um, now we're 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 going from all elite wrestling over to NXT and Keith Lee over in NXT. Uh, if you guys have not seen anything from Keith Lee, I, I suggest you go and uh, YouTube anything by Keith Lee because. This guy is phenomenal inside that wrestling ring. And it's totally off from our match of the week. But I had to put out there that I am just week in, week out. Every time I see him, he is impressing me more and more on a weekly basis. Um, I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, Joe. But mine, I have a guy, Keith Lee, who who I'm just excited to really see week in, week out. Is there anyone from any company right now that that you're really uh, looking at going, yeah, I can't wait to see this guy again or girl. Darby Allen. He's a guy that since I've seen him in AEW, I've gone back and looked at some of his other work and a lot of stuff is really kind of rough around the edges, but over in AEW, the guy's been knocking it out of the park and he puts his body on the line just in, and the crowd loves him. And I've really become a fan and I love the, the whole approach. And when it comes to the actual wrestling moves and the unique stuff that he does, he's so smooth and he can be just be over the top when he wants to just, uh, and he's still young I mean, whew, the I mean the, the the ceiling is extremely high for this guy, and and it's a pleasure to watch him every single time. Perfect. Well, there you have it, people. I gave you you know a name. Joe's giving you a name, and everything is good in the world. And we're gonna give you a little special something this week. I will not be participating here on the showstopper segment mm-hmm. i'm gonna pass things along over to our friend from the uh, hitting the marks podcast network um mike jar michael jargo he is going to do our showstopper segment for you guys this week with big joe so joe and mike thank you so much jargo you always a professional and i am so happy to be part of everything here with you uh best of luck in everything that's going on now with you know new podcasts and with uh you know the hitting the marks network um so much love for you thank you so much and you guys take it away 
What's up, guys? This is the standard Dusty Gold coming from you from Fayetteville, Arkansas. I'm with Joe and Carl for Turnbuckle Talk. Hey guys, Big Joe back here on Turnbuckle Talk, and for this week's Showstopper segment, no Carl this week, but I do have from the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, the head of the network here, Mr. Michael Jargo. Welcome back to Turnbuckle Talk. Very, very upset, Joe. Oh. Very upset that I'm very upset that, you know, I just wasn't worth Carl's time to stick around to hang out with, you know. I was all looking forward to giving yeah. crap to my two favorite Canadians, <laughs> but I guess it's just my favorite Canadian. You're going to have to sit out for just one of us this week, brother. But for the showstopper this week, a little bit uh, something different. I think something we can just kind of have a little bit of fun with here. This kind of stemmed from a Facebook uh, message chat that you and I had uh, going here, and this kind of turned into a full-on topic here. And we're talking about to see if we can outdo the largest attendance ever for a professional wrestling event. I figure since you do, along with Rick Vickery, the HTM Sports here, I figure that this would be right up your alley when it comes to big stadiums and whatnot. To the best of my knowledge, been looking through the Googles here on my, my iPad beside me while we're recording here. Now, it looks like as of right now, right, WrestleMania 32, the largest crowd for a wrestling event has been 101,763 at uh, the AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. That's a pretty big crowd, but we've got a lot of big arenas around the, the around the world, Jargo, and I think that, given the right scenario, I think we can top that number. I think that's probably your best bet, though, is Jerry World down in uh, Arlington, Texas, Dallas, whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it, where the Cowboys play, mm-hmm. um, at least for now. Uh, obviously they're building a brand new stadium in Los Angeles. They're building a brand new stadium in Las Vegas, both of which are going to be huge destinations. Mm -hmm. But what this really stemmed from Joe is you have this just insatiable urge to hold a pro wrestling show in the big house. And I told you it, no, it's, it's just not going to work. You're not going to get a hundred thousand professional wrestling fans to flock to Ann Arbor, Michigan. Like, Outside of the Michigan Wolverines, what's the best thing going on in Ann Arbor, Michigan? Walmart? <laughs> now, what if we go in, say, late spring or early summer? Do you think it's, that, given the it timing... It doesn't make Ann Arbor, Michigan more desirable. Yeah, but, I mean, the the arena itself ha- has, has the history. It, it, people know what the big house is. And when I was there last time in, in, in talking, professional wrestling did come up. There there are, you know, now mind you, I wasn't talking to hundreds of thousands of people there, but, you know, the few people I did run to, professional wrestling did come up, and there is an interest of it in the area. I, I, I know you think that I'm crazy. I know other people think that I do too. I, I think at some point I would really like to see somebody at least attempt, and it doesn't have to be WWE. I'm talking any wrestling promotion. Obviously, uh, AEW or you know, maybe New Japan will be uh, – you know, best poised to kind of attempt something there. But given how many people that can cram into that place, you would have a big audience. And they do 115,000 with people just in the seats. Now, if we have a wrestling show, we got the whole field or a good portion of the field where we can add people in too. You, you could see maybe 130,000. I think the other uh, venue that we have to consider is the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. Uh, that place will hold 93,607 yeah. as yeah. what it's listed as. And then, of course, you know, you have the field itself that you can set up a whole lot of chairs on. If I don't care what month it is, 
what day of the week it is, what the weather is doing outside. You can have a freaking typhoon hitting Los Angeles, and it's still more desirable than Ann Arbor, Michigan. Not that there's anything wrong with Ann Arbor, Michigan, other than it's Ann Arbor, Michigan. Uh-huh. Hey, it's um, I'm a, and I know that uh, Rick Vickery is a, an Ohio State guy. You're an uh, Iowa. You're an, you're an Iowa guy. I've always been a Michigan Wolverines fan, regardless of whether they've been good or bad. I, I'm very loyal to that team. You're a now, terrible human being. I'm a terrible why. human being. Yes, absolutely. Now the only other. See, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of other scenarios. And even up here in Canada, in, in Toronto, we have a, a huge stadium. We, we've got what used to be called the Sky Dome. It's called the it's called the Rogers Arena or the Rogers Center now. Sorry, and Center is spelled R-E because we're in Canada. And they, they, they hosted WrestleMania 6, right? Correct. And WrestleMania 18 as well. And But we can only do just shy of 70,000 there. So, again, they're really not an option. So that leaves maybe one of these big soccer stadiums, maybe like over in Europe or something, which, I mean, it would be quite the stretch for uh, anybody to do. Um, what's the capacity for Wembley Stadium? Because there are some big effing stadiums out that way, sir. And I think that then you'd be looking at probably WWE doing something like this. Or See, if the Saudis like when, built some big gaudy stadium over there in Saudi Arabia, which, hey, very well could actually happen. And you don't have to worry about selling tickets. You can just threaten to behead everybody. <laughs> um, right. I think Wembley Stadium holds roughly like 90,000. Yeah, I mean, I, I could easily see something like that happening yeah. long before the big house in the Ann Arbor, Michigan. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of it is just the size of the town. I True. mean, it's... If you put 100,000 rabid pro wrestling fans in Ann Arbor, Michigan, you mm-hmm. damn near double the the population of Ann Arbor, Michigan. Yeah. Um, I, I think Wembley is a real possibility. Yeah. Now, what about some of these bigger college stadiums? Like we're talking like East Coast, you know, down south. Like what about maybe uh, Ohio State or uh, the Swamp down in Florida? You know, those have got some pretty uh, high capacities as well. Now, I guess it would just be a matter of these – companies whether it be WWE or AEW being able to strike up some kind of deal there I know with AEW with maybe Jacksonville Stadium they could maybe pull some interesting numbers there well and that's part of the reason that I pulled up the information for Wembley because it wasn't that long ago mm-hmm. that Shad Khan actually tried to purchase Wembley Stadium and the government said it yeah no you can't do that like the government had to step in and tell them, no, you, you can't sell the stadium to one individual owner. <laughs> the government. Um, so having said all this now, who do we think? Because I think it's just a matter of time before this record gets broken. Now, it's currently being held by the WWE. Now, do you think that they break their own record or does AEW topple them? Or does it, is it New Japan or is it somebody else? Well, I, I think the logical conclusion would have to be WWE at this point. Yeah. I mean... Even AEW, I mean, hell, they had a hard time the other night. I want to say that venue in Baltimore holds like 8,000 people, and they only squeezed about 6,000 people into it. Mm -hmm. Um, I I don't think AEW is anywhere remotely close to being able to put on a a, a show that large, Mm -hmm. let alone what the cost involved would be, with the exception of that stadium in Jacksonville, Florida, which obviously the cons already own. Um but that's, I think, even at maximum capacity, you're still only looking like sixty-five, seventy thousand down there. Yeah. So 
it's an interesting question. It, it's something I don't think anybody's really kind of talking about. But again, it just it kind of stemmed from a conversation that the two of us were having, and I, I figured we'd just have a bit of a back and forth to kind of see what we could do there. But I think that you know one of these big soccer stadiums over there in Europe somewhere, I think could be an interesting thing if they wanted to branch out that far. Well, that and UK fans are absolutely insane. You yeah, know, absolutely. so they're going to yeah. flock to soccer an event rights. like this. Yeah. Whereas in the United States. Pro wrestling fans, in particular, as Daniel Bryan said, are fickle. <laughs> fickle, yes, absolutely. You know, I drawing fifteen, twenty thousand for WrestleMania. Like, yeah, I know what the attendance figure says, but I also know that I have heard that the the WrestleMania thirty two was closer to like eighty thousand people. And then they figure in personal seat licenses and all that crap, yep. which is how they get to build these stadiums. And they figure all that into the actual attendance. So I'm not saying that their 101,000 isn't, you know, a legitimate number, but I'm saying there's no way there was 101,000 people in that stadium. Yeah, I hear you on that one. So something I'll keep an eye on if uh, if anybody wants to try and tackle this record. Like you said, WWE, probably your best option when it comes to this kind of stuff here. Now, before we do end off here this week, since I've got you here, I've already talked to, to Carl about this on the show here. We're talking about the last match on AEW Full Gear. Oh, no. <laughs> Me and Carl have already talked about this. I know that you have a pretty polarizing viewpoint on this, so, dude, I, I got I got to pick your brain on this one. Uh, before I let you go, what did you think of this match? Now, but before we, we get into too many of the details, are you, would you consider yourself a fan of the hardcore style of professional wrestling? Absolutely not. In no way, shape, or form. And I think let alone deathmatch style wrestling. Like right. some of the stuff that happened in ECW was too much as far as I was concerned, let alone, you know, when we're busting out beds made of barbed wire. Yeah. See, now. For me, I like the hardcore style, but when we start getting into the the shards of glass, when we get into the, which I don't think I've ever seen before, sheets of plywood with multiple mouse traps on them, um, that's where I kind of start to draw the line. But trampolines made of barbed wire, that, that's some CZW crap there. Um, that's where it starts to get a little over top for me. The majority of, of it, though, I, I thought was pretty good because, I, I, again, I like some of that hardcore style, but I don't like seeing it. You know, at least they're not doing it all the time, but uh, there's definitely some aspects of this that were over the top. Okay, well, let me ask you a couple of questions, and if you can answer this, perhaps you can sway my opinion. Well, we'll see. Okay. I, I couldn't do it with Orange um, Cassidy, so I don't know if I can do it with this. Okay, so when you look at this entire program, yep. since this whole thing kicked off at Double or Nothing. Mm-hmm. Who's the antagonist and who's the protagonist? Who did you want to win this match and why? This is not not just a, an issue with this particular match. This is an issue just with AEW in general. We mm-hmm. haven't told the proper story and we don't know really how to. Again, Jargo, you and I, we're kind of inside the professional wrestling bubble. So we know kind of what's going on. And, and again, what more with this card specifically with, uh, with Riho and uh, Sakura. We know kind of the history there that they have as trainer and student, but your average fan out there maybe doesn't necessarily... People need to be told this stuff so that we know how to feel. With Kenny Omega and Moxie, I mean, you and I know that Kenny should be the good guy and Mox should be the bad guy, but when you look at this match, I mean, you could say that there were heel and face turns throughout this entire match, switching back and forth, and... Personally, I would have mind either guy winning. Uh, I think 
Kenny probably does needed a win more than Mox did, but yeah, I totally get what you're getting at. It, it, it's I don't know how to feel about either of these guys, and I know what's going on. And now Kenny Omega tweets out somewhere between Sunday night and Monday morning. Yeah, you know the the only problem is you didn't kill me. I'm coming back, which means I win. Okay, so where does it go from here? Because you started with the blow off. Mm-hmm. So now what? We're we're gonna put Moxley and Omega in a regular wrestling match, and Kenny Omega's gonna out wrestle John Moxley and hold his shoulders down to the mat for three seconds. Yeah. How uneventful does that feel? Like it, it's just I don't see where it goes from here. It doesn't make any kind of logical sense other yeah. than, oh well, Moxley just had to get this out of his system. He he didn't get it out of his system when he was in the G one. He he didn't get this out of his system when he wrestled Joey Janela in an unsanctioned match. Like, is this just what we're gonna do with Moxley? Because I think Moxley's a hell of a lot better than that. I know Kenny Omega is a hell of a lot yeah. better than that. It just doesn't make any sense. The problem is, is we have just to throw a random number, we have a ten chapter story. But we've jumped all the way to, to chapter nine and ten. We we have to tell the other chapters. Like we we have to. You got to kind of start a little small and then work your way up to a crescendo, and then take people on that ride and then take them down. But we've already jumped to the, the conclusion, and we didn't we, we didn't tell any of the uh, the backstory, the beginning part of the story. We just whoosh, we we fast forwarded through everything. So I think that this would have been much more impactful, for lack of a better term, if we would have done a lot more business to build up to this point then we could have done something on like cactus jack and terry funk level when it comes to this deathmatch stuff if they would have built that up over time in addition to being fickle like daniel bryan said (laughs) um i think pro wrestling fans have also become a bit sadistic to the point where we have a violence fetish. Yeah. Uh, nobody was pulling for Kenny Omega in that match. Nobody was pulling for John Moxley in that match. They just wanted unless you blood. unless you are just strictly a fan of that talent. There was no clear cut. I want Kenny Omega to beat John Moxley up because fill in the blank. Right. Yeah. So you do these matches cold. And you just leave the fans just cheering the violence. Mm -hmm. And it really hit me when, you know, we're going through all this stuff, right? We're busting out, you know, the mouse traps and we're busting out the barbed wire baseball bat, the barbed wire broom. And the fans start chanting, we want tables. Yeah. They're not chanting, let's go Kenny or let's go Moxley. They're chanting, we want tables. It was just mindlessly cheering violence. It's like horror porn at this point. I, I think that uh, something else to kind of look into this too is WWE, or wow, WWE, AEW seems to be that this company, they, they've kind of prided themselves, okay, you know, we listen to our fans, you know, what we want to do with the fans are doing. I think that then part of the problem with that philosophy then is, is like you just mentioned, this is what the fans are kind of calling for. Yeah, we want this, we want this. And then they're listening to them. And so they're giving them what they want, but that maybe necessarily isn't the right thing. Let's say this ends up being a trilogy of matches. Which would be so fantastic do, if that's the case. But right, so that should have been the third chapter. Match, and then we have another rubber match between these two to, yeah. to figure out who's the better man. Where does it go from here? What, what are you going to do next? Yeah. Like an FMW C4? Like, 
what are you doing? That's like it's like having uh, a fight with uh, if you were to do a multiple stage fight with the two guys, and it would just fast forward it to okay, the two guys are going to have a gunfight with each other and kill each other. Okay, you can't go anywhere after that. One of the guys are already dead. You know, that's part of the problem with this deathmatch stuff is you kind of, if you're going to tell that story, you've already essentially killed one person. So what are you going to do? You're going to double kill him? You're going to triple kill him? You're going to quadruple kill him? You've already you've already done too much. <laughs> and I, I feel like it's the same thing with the WWE. Oh like, God. the only thing that was missing from that match was a giant red light shining down on the whole thing, yeah. right? Because this is the same issue I had with Hell in a Cell. We did Hell in a Cell between The Fiend and Seth Rollins yep. strictly because it was October. Mm-hmm. No, Hell in a Cell should be a blow-off for all blow-offs. Oh, well, we, we did Moxley versus Omega unsanctioned because, well, we needed a hardcore match on this show. Yeah. No, you don't. No. No. And, and you had just mentioned, and to go briefly on that now too, because we had talked this about on, on Turnbuckle Talk, and I, I got some heat from this from some fans of even of our show and whatnot. When it comes to... The Fiend and Seth Rollins at Crown Jewel. All right. Because I said that I, I didn't really get to feel much of that because I'm literally watching. When I watched the show, I, I didn't watch it as it happened. I watched it later. I have a high definition 4K television with the highest quality, and I have a really good surround sound system. I have a Bose surround sound system, and I'm watching this stuff. And with that match, I hardly could see what was going on because of that red light crap that they had going on. For me, that that took me so out of that whole thing. If they would have just dimmed the lights, it would have been better. And again, they it was another like we were just talking about with Mox and and with um, with Kenny. We did too much before, and, and so how do you you can't go any higher than after that? So th- this whole crown jewel thing just felt like a, a whole kind of afterthought, right? And it just it, it was just the added that red stuff man just well yeah. and then there's also Ugh. the added fact that you know you, you did the title change in saudi arabia yeah, you took it. it away from the american fans yeah. and there's a lot of american fans like myself who refuse to watch anything that comes out of the freaking desert known as saudi arabia i'm just i'm not gonna watch it i hear you man now before we do go one more thing to kind of bring up here i don't know if uh well you pay attention to things so you may have seen us but i don't want to get your your mindset on this uh something that uh, carl had tagged me in on facebook i don't know if you saw this but the christmas show that WWE had planned they had to cancel it because they only <laughs> sold a thousand tickets i want to get your take on this man what do you think of that whole thing with them only selling a thousand tickets for a live show for a christmas um, show I, the, the the part that is just my absolute favorite is they have come out and said that it was a scheduling conflict. Right. Um, you know, it, it's <laughs> not that we can't sell tickets, but we, we can't sell tickets. Um, it, it, it was so weird, man, because that show was in like Sioux City, Iowa. Yeah. Um, I live in Iowa and I've been to Sioux City like once in my life. Yeah. Like that is just such a horrible venue yep. to be trying to run on christmas what was that christmas eve eve i, I want to so. say i think so yeah and and now the narrative that's being pushed forward by you know wwe shills shout out to the professor chabella vera cruz and oh, rick vickery um you know oh well they're just giving their talent like a week off for christmas right just a coincidence yeah 
which is just such a load of crap. <laughs> right. if, if Vince McMahon could sell 20,000 tickets on the most holy day of all holy days, Vince McMahon would do it in a heartbeat. In fact, he would also run a house show opposite of the show that he's running that sold that many tickets just so he can make more money. Yeah. More money. Yeah. It's such good Canadian. Yeah. I see what yep. you did there. I see what you did there. Okay. For one more thing before we go, since I'm talking to the main host of HTM Sports here, we're going to cross over briefly, and I want to get your take on, you guys talk a lot of NCAA college football over there. I've been following it quite a bit recently, thanks to your guys and your show, my rejuvenated interest. My Michigan Wolverines are out of the picture, essentially, by right now. Um, given the recent uh, polls and everything right now in the rankings, who's taken this whole thing this year? Um, I, I've been on the LSU train since LSU was like number 17 in the freaking country. I've been saying for weeks LSU is the best team in yeah. the country. And then they go into Alabama, go into Tuscaloosa, yeah. and just slap the Crimson Tide right up alongside the head. Yeah. I don't think there's any question at this point that LSU is the best team in the country. The craziest part of this whole thing is LSU is still going to have to play inside of the SEC championship game quite possibly against the University of Georgia, mm -hmm. I could easily see Georgia beating LSU on a neutral field. And then what? You know, it, it's just there's a very real possibility at this point that the top three teams in the country are all coming out of the SEC, yep. even though, you know, three of them aren't going to make the college football playoff. As of today, my four are LSU, the Ohio State University, Clemson, and Alabama. Yeah. I think you had mentioned them. I think Georgia could be the one, I think, to kind of find some way to sneak in there. They've been just quietly kind of creeping up those poles. And they, if somebody missteps, they'll be there to pounce. And the fun one's Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota is Minnesota. still unbeaten. Yeah. And there's a very real possibility that it ends up Minnesota taking on the Ohio State University. Nope. I haven't seen the newest poll. So I know going into this Saturday, Minnesota was number 17. They're still undefeated. Okay. I don't think even if Minnesota wins out, I don't think they make it into the college football playoff. Okay, well, to solve that mystery, then I've actually pulled up here the the most to, to the best of my knowledge, the most recent polls, okay? So then I'll, I'll start at 25 and work my way up. We've got Oklahoma State at number 25. We've got Indiana at 24. Iowa at 23. We have Texas at 22. Navy at 21. SMU at 20. Boise State, which I've never really bought in as a top 25 team, but they're still there. Uh, Memphis. Ugly-ass blue field. Right. Um, and then we have Memphis in 18. We have Cincinnati at 17. Notre Dame, which is a team I can't freaking stand being a Michigan fan. We have Wisconsin at 15. Then we have my Michigan Wolverines at 14. Auburn at 13. Baylor at 12. Florida, 11. Oklahoma at 10. And with their most recent loss, Penn State has fallen down to 9. Utah at number 8. Minnesota at number 7. We have Oregon at 6. Georgia at 5. Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, and LSU rounding up the top 4. So it's gotten very, very interesting there. And, I uh, think the only yeah. way Minnesota has a shot at this thing is if Oregon loses first. Somebody has to implode there. Yep. Yeah. But it, it's gotten very interesting. And 
you know, this will be this will be a fun uh, bowl season coming up. Next year is going to be very interesting because, as you guys had mentioned, that these uh, these players are going to start making money from uh, endorsements and whatnot. Um, part of me it's just awful. Part of me is kind of pissed off. Part of me is happy to maybe get a uh, NCAA video game back because uh, I've been missing playing NCAA football on uh, game consoles for quite a while. But um, the fact that some of these players might start making money, given that it's supposed to be an amateur sport, uh, there's going to be a lot of schools that are going to be hung out to dry here because everybody's going to want to go play for those top schools. And these mid-schools uh, are going to be uh, suffering. Well, we're seeing the issue going on now with the Ohio State where a player has been suspended yeah. for uh, taking money from, you know, a family friend who happened to be an NFL agent and blah, blah, blah. It's like $1,500. Yeah. As soon as this new deal kicks in, oh, no, he didn't give me $1,500. I sold him my game-worn jersey from, you know, the Ohio State versus Michigan game. And, you know, I sold it to him for $1,500, that's not a violation of NCAA policy. That's just me selling, you know, my name and likeness. And that's that's exactly what it's going to become. You're going to have Alabama. You're going to have Ohio State. USC is going to catch back on real quick and in a hurry. Texas is going to catch on real quick and in a hurry. Yeah. Um, perhaps UCLA. These are all going to be Florida, all going to be destination cities. And everybody else is just going to get left out in the cold, you know, where, where Michigan, let's say used to get five, five-star recruits per year. Well, you know, the, the boosters down at Ohio state say that, you know, I can make $3,000 a game and you know, the boosters up here are only promising me like 2000. I'd love to be a Wolverine, but I guess I'll go to Ohio state. That's what it's going to become. Yep, the uh, the next Tom Brady might not come from Michigan. It's probably going to come from Ohio State, or it's going to come from Bama, or it's going to come from Florida, or one of these top tier schools that gets all the money. Okay, but Tom Brady's the goat. All right, Tom Brady is, Tom Brady is the, the greatest football player who has ever walked this God's green earth. And he played in Michigan, so suck it. And he stunk at Michigan. The dude couldn't throw his way out of a wet paper bag at Michigan. That's why he went in the seventh round, right? Right. I mean, let's not sugarcoat how great Tom Brady was until he got to New England and Drew uh, Drew Bledsoe got hurt and Tom Brady was given an opportunity to come in and light the world on fire with Belichick. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's uh, I know we're getting off on a whole sports thing here, but uh, what the hell? And we got the time here. That uh, it's really interesting to see some of these uh, college players to see how it translates over to uh, to the NFL. Like, uh, there was one uh, try to remember his name, uh, Tim Tebow for, from Florida, did fantastic over there, and he came over to the NFL, and it's like, dude, are you okay? Like, what happened? Hey, hey, he won he, a playoff game in Denver. Yeah. Like, Outside of, you know, the, the couple of Peyton Manning years, the garbage years that they had him out there with the Broncos, yeah. Tim Tebow's the best quarterback that John Elway has recruited at this point as far as an NFL player goes. And all Tim Tebow does is win. Yeah. Like, I can sit there and I can watch the film and I can tell you that guy is not an NFL quarterback. But you look at the win-loss record and somehow yeah. Tim Tebow just finds a way to win. Yep. And sometimes that's all it takes, man. That's and now he's takes. playing baseball, and I'm pretty sure that he's been suspended for performance-enhancing drugs, God. which turns out that it was just communion from this past Sunday. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, it, it is what it is. 
I guess we'll just have to move on from that. But uh, before we, we go, just one last thing. Uh, I know today you guys were up to some stuff over at Hami Media. Tell us a little bit about that before you go. The Monday Locker Room, as yeah. presented by HackerHameen.Podbean.com. Today was me and Huckleberry's anniversary, man. Two years of the Monday Locker Room. I can't believe that I've been doing that show for two years. I also can't believe I've never missed a Monday inside of the locker room in two years, which is even more astonishing to me because I'll be the first guy to call off work if I've got a little bit of a nose (laughs) dribble. Um, Today was just crazy, man, because we we did a full review of Full Gear. I think I've reviewed Full Gear like three different times now, and I said that the show sucked on every one of them. and then, you know, we also did a review of the New Japan Showdown show out in San Jose, which I think was actually better than Full Gear. We did a preview yeah. for the New Japan show tonight coming out of the Globe Theater in Los Angeles. We did a Monday Night Raw preview, and I haven't watched Monday Night Raw since WrestleMania. I just, I don't need that kind of negativity in my life. Right. Uh, I agree with you 100%. I haven't watched Raw in quite a while. And since SmackDown has gone over to Fox, I haven't been watching much of that either. You know, I actually get paid to watch that show, uh, and I still don't watch it. <laughs> Just watch the highlights or the lowlights, depending on your outlook. Yeah. At least the new set's pretty. Yeah. That's one uh, one good thing that's going for it. We can't uh, argue that, yeah, the set looks pretty cool. I like their intro that they do for the network, but uh, once the show starts, yeah. I was done with that show as soon as I heard ACDC. I was just like, oh my God, this is the worst show in the history of television. It's no longer Monday Night Raw. It's not the Jerry Springer show. It's, are you ready? (laughs) We're going back to the 90s again. Oh, Oh, the 90s? Hell, man. That's like straight. That's 80s. Early 80s. Early 80s. Early, early, early 80s. It's that new upcoming band, (laughs) ACDC. Yeah, you got to check it out. Such good Canadian. Yes, absolutely. Uh, speaking of Canadian, of course, uh, today we're recording on Remembrance Day. I actually forgot to uh, to bring that up at the top of the show. Uh, I went to that uh, ceremony today. It was uh, it was very well done. Where I'm at, it was actually snowing for the whole thing. But um, so yeah, I, I know that uh, your version down there is Memorial Day, which happens when. Uh, well, we do Memorial Day in May. Okay, um, Veterans Day. I'm thinking of. Today is, yeah, today is Veterans today Day. Is Veterans Day. Um, That's right. Yeah. Uh, it's also known as uh, the Day of Justice. Yes. Yep. Because my middle daughter's name is Justice, and today mm-hmm. happens to be her birthday. So, <laughs> yeah. yay, I have another freaking teenager. Somebody please kill me now. <laughs> so, yeah, I had the, the pleasure to go. That was very well done there. And, of course, um, I don't know about yourself, Jargo, but I had some family members that were involved in, uh, in conflicts uh, you know, years ago. And, uh, you know, thanks to their sacrifices and what they'd given up and some of them actually died, you know, we have the freedoms and we have the ability to do what we do here right now. So, of course, always grateful for uh, for that all those sacrifices that the go- those guys made. Um, yeah, I mean, if that stuff would happen now, I don't think that uh, things would necessarily go the same way. Back then, men were men, and uh, they fought for our freedoms, and we get to enjoy a nice life now, given all that has happened. So, But now we get to cry about it on Twitter. Yeah, that's not the same. Not the same. And I mean, you guys are Canada. Like, what are you going to do, throw snowballs at people? Hockey sticks, my friend, hockey sticks. Oh, I can see that. <laughs> what, what, what wins in a fight, a hockey stick or a baseball bat? Um, I think a hockey stick. You get you get a wider range with it. Uh, how about how about a baseball bat wrapped in barbed wire? <laughs> well, that would just be crazy talk. Well, I mean, it's it's nothing compared to a broom 
wrapped in barbed wire. You, speaking of myself. crazy Canadians, how about myself. Kenny Omega, man? Like, what's going on with Kenny Omega? I, I did, uh, yeah, the, the broom. Uh, part of me was actually laughing inside when I saw that. I was like, you know, dude, hockey stick, hockey stick. Funny doesn't equal money. <laughs> you know what? I think we'll end off on that note. Funny does not equal money. Um, I would agree. I would politely disagree sometimes, but it, it is what it is. Um, we can get into that whole Orange Cassidy well, argument again. You know what? Then that's what we'll do, Joe. Like, give me Toru Yano versus Orange Cassidy yes. in the big house yes. in Michigan. Yes. And it will draw 110,000 people. <laughs> All right. Before we get too stupid, I think it's time to wrap it up, and uh, we will see you guys on the next one. Thanks for having me on, Joe. I, I totally disagree with that dive that, that Cody did where he cracked his head off the ramp. People are saying that that was a planned spot of him doing that. Absolutely. It was. You think so? Really? Absolutely. Really? Okay. If that was not the case, explain the rest of the match and the finish to me. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. I guess that makes, I, I don't know. I just don't know how you could plan to, to jump and land and crack your head open here. Uh, Cause I think he bladed. If you look, that's like the same place that he's been busted open before. Really? I think he just, I think he did it in the air. But it looks like it's, it doesn't look like a straight cut. Like it's like, well, jagged. if you're flying through the air and you're about to <laughs> land on your face, yeah. you know, you're probably not drawing Man. the straightest of lines. But yeah. I mean, I, because that's what, the thing. What, like, what, so what did, does, did Michael J. Fox blade play him? out if there's no blood? Did Michael J. Fox blade him? Cause that's what it looks like. It's like, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, yeah. But I mean, the, the rest of the match doesn't make any sense yeah, without that's that context. That's a, that's a good point. I didn't think of it that way. Interesting. I mean, what, what MJF's just going to throw in the towel while Cody's sitting there in, in the freaking walls? Really? Like, it, it, it just yeah. completely blows out the second half of the match without yeah. the blood. Oh, interesting. Very interesting. I didn't so, yeah, that's, that's kind of my takeaway from it. Huh. Yeah, now that I think of it, it does make sense. I just, it's, I can't wrap my head around, okay, so we're going to, I'm going to, just think of it, we're booking this match. It's like, Jerk was like, okay, so what are we going to do, Cody? He's like, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to run out the ropes, I'm going to jump out, and I'm going to land on my head. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> are you right? sure, brother? Right. Uh, exactly. You know, but I, cause I, I'm with you at, yeah. at first I was like, Oh damn. Oh, that's nasty. Yeah. But then as you watch the rest of the match play out from that point on, yeah. that was such a huge part of the match and the rest of the match doesn't make any sense without it. My only complaint is MJF should have thrown in his scarf instead yes. of the towel. He should have like taken the scarf off of his neck and thrown that into the ring. This week's episode is brought to you by CollarAndElbowBrand.com. Visit CollarAndElbowBrand.com where you can get 10% off everything at the checkout when you use promo code JKPODCAST, including this week's featured item, the At Large 